Hello, this is Abby. Dear Abby, this is gonna be a long one. Oh boy. Dear Abby, how do you tell the difference between a new exciting crush and a rebound? Does it matter? Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Welcome to our little corner of the internet. This is the Dear Abby podcast. I hope you stay and hang out with us. See you in a sec. Welcome back, everyone, to Dear Abby. This is the Dear Abby podcast. I'm your host. My name is Cassandra. I'm kidding. (laughs) My name's Abby, and I'm the only one on the podcast today, unfortunately. We do not have a guest. We've only had one guest so far, so it's not very common. I kind of like doing it solo, I'm not going to lie. Having a guest on was great. You know, she was a great guest and everything. Um, I think I just, it's, it's so it's, it's more pressure. I feel to have someone else on. Um, but if you guys haven't listened to last week's episode, it's with my sister, Chelsea. She's most known for being on, uh, the, what we said podcast, uh, with JC and she was on, we talked about sisterhood. We talked about zombie apocalypses. We talked about, uh, my relationship. She grilled me. And that's what we did. So it was a great episode. It was fun to fun to film. But today is solo. Okay, so today we have uh, today is a great episode because I, I I'm so I'm very much all over the place today in the sense of I'm thinking of like fifty things at once. Like there's fifty things that I want to say to everyone, but I have to just keep it you know, brief and probably not say everything that I want to say because we will be here for three hours if it was. Again, I started this podcast not even really knowing what would happen or anything like that. I I genuinely just want to, this is like a personal journal for me and ways that I can share what I've experienced with mental illness and kind of just share what I've learned and how I'm growing from it and just growth really and give some advice which is solicited so that does come at the end of the show every single episode but yeah if you hate getting advice from people you can always skip that segment and just listen to the rest of it I try very hard not to give advice I think that's some people's personality they just like want to give unsolicited advice all the time I used to be a lot more that way now I'm less because I realize I don't really know anything. So any advice, any, just as like a disclaimer, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a professional. I'm just someone, I'm someone who's experienced mental illness or, you know, struggled with mental health my whole life. And in a sense of it affected me daily and hourly, you know what I mean? So I've been there. I'm still there sometimes. And it's just a lifelong journey. I'm here to just tell my tale, you know, and just to spread that you're not alone. But anyways, we have a great episode today. We are going over eight ways to help with anxiety slash OCD. They are different inherently. Um, There's some things that kind of cross over. I've had both my whole life. So There are things that cross over and I kind of want to talk about those. So if you don't have OCD, 
this episode will still be helpful for you just in a general life sense because these are all life lessons that I think help with literally anything. And then also on the anxiety aspect, I think everyone goes through phases of anxiety, but um, the point where it's debilitating and, you know, don't want to leave the house, that type of anxiety is kind of more so what I'm going into today. Yeah, I've, I've listed those ways. I'm going to go into them, talk about them, and... Then we're going to go into a Dear Abby segment. If I have time, I want to do a quick game. We'll see if I have time. I know I'm so bad at not doing the game. I genuinely am thinking about doing a second episode. I think probably a couple more months in. When I have the hang of the whole podcast thing, I do want to add a second episode like on a Friday or Thursday. Okay. Or, Or like a Monday or Tuesday. Or like my Monday or Wednesday episode will be this normal one, mental health more so, and life updates, that kind of stuff, and then the Dear Abby, and then a segment on like Friday or Thursday that's a game and different, I don't know, like a different type of episode, more of a fun one. But we'll see. I think I just like doing games because it it's fun for me, and and I like having different like dynamics to the show, to the show, the podcast. Um So as I said, we're doing an episode today. Oh, okay. I guess I'll share some life updates really fast. So first one is I've got a Huon tablet. I think it's called Huon. I think that's how you pronounce it. Pronounce it. Pronounce it. Pronounce it. What the heck is that? Pronounce it? That does not sound right. Um, Anyways, I bought a little tablet to make art, like graphic art and digital art was, I don't know what you would call it, but... I've always been really interested in art and I genuinely just want to be able to make Dungeons and Dragons characters and draw them and then paint them and then have sick characters that I can show people who my character is when I play, what they look like, everything like that. So that's what I really want to get good at. I I don't know if it's going to be a career type thing. I would love for it to be or to somehow make money from that. But that's something I've been working on. So I've been doing a bunch of tutorials on YouTube. I haven't gone to school for that or anything. I'm kind of just hoping I can do it from YouTube. So we'll see about that. And then I'm also obviously I'm like in between places right now. I still have my house, but right now my setup's at Keaton's. And then I have a new place I'm moving into in the next like two months. But yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that it's a different setup. I don't have my lights, which sucks because that is that's like my vibe. You know, I feel naked without the blue purple lights, like the pink lights, the orange lights. So I have my sunset sunset lamp behind me to uh, help with the ambiance. But, you know, it's not the same. And I know that and I will eventually get the coloring back one day for those who watch on YouTube. So Just so you know, that's not going away. That's coming back, the lighting situation. As a a former streamer, you know, that's just the vibe is the lights in the background. It just makes me feel cozy, safe, and comfy. And for those that experience a lot of anxiety or just have a really overprotective brain, It's just sometimes comforting to have that really safe space that you can go back to and not you don't want to live only in there. You know what I mean? You want to push yourself out of that place and go explore things. But then it is fundamentally as a human being nice to have a home in a place that's comfy. And those lights just add it for me. So I'll get those back. Other than that, I don't have any other life updates really. 
I've just been chilling and working, grinding. I've been trying really hard to be more mindful and it's been, I'm still on my recovery journey for OCD. I think that's something that might take a couple more years to fully feel like that last weight has lifted and I'm, I've, I've completely accepted that. I'm fine with that. I can live this way. You know, I don't want to settle for this, but I can accept it and then just keep trying to do my best with what I've been given. Well, I'll be in Utah when you're listening to this. So I'm recording this a bit early and I'm horrified because as some of you might know, but my ex-husband's actually from Utah. So for some reason, I'm just like scared that I'm going to run into him somehow. And, but I've already made a game plan. And if you've maybe, if you've been divorced or if you just have an ex that lives close by, you don't want to be the one that's like caught off guard. That's like, uh, uh, like doesn't know how to react. And I probably, there's no way that I will see him, but it's like just this fear that I have that I'll see him. And I don't want to like have him be in power. You know what I mean? where I see him and then it's like this awkward, like we look at each other and then I don't say anything first and then he doesn't say anything. Then it's like weird and awkward. And then like, I feel like that'll take my, a little bit of like my power away from me. I just want to be able to just smile and be like, Hey, and just show that I am not affected by it. You know, even if I feel a little bit anxious, I genuinely, that's deep down. That's how I feel. That's how I feel like I would react. It's just like, Hey, you know, and be unfazed because that's what I'm working on is being unfazed by that. And yes, there's no way that, that that's so unlikely, but that's just something that I've had to uh, consciously be like, okay, if this happens, you are taking your power in that moment, you know? So that's what's going on. I just started to disassociate a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes when I'm recording, I, I get in this weird, like, um, I feel... Uh, I just zoom in and then I zoom out in a, in a, like a mental sense. It's really weird. So I lost my train of thought. Let's get into the, the meat of the episode, which is eight ways to help with anxiety slash OCD. Again, I know they're different. Before we jump in though, I do want to say this is obviously I'm sure you know, but this is not a replacement for therapy. I'm not a professional. I'm not a therapist. This is all just things that I've experienced that I've been taught by, you know, professionals that I work with. And yeah, so I'm, again, I'm not a professional. Take it with a grain of salt. If something doesn't resonate with you, then it doesn't have to. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Or it doesn't mean that you're wrong for not resonating with it. I'm not the end all be all for this kind of stuff. So whatever resonates, great. Whatever doesn't, great. Um, this is just something that I want to share. I, I sometimes feel uncomfortable being like, this is the eight ways you can heal your anxiety. It's like, I actually don't believe in that. So not believing in healing, but believe that you can watch a podcast and then it solves all of your problems and then you never feel anything negative again. So that's not the point of this. The point of this is just to give you some helpful tips and from someone who's experienced it all, yeah, hopefully it's just as helpful to just have your days when you're really anxious or when your OCD is spiking to just feel a little bit more at peace with the situation that you're in and stuff like that. Okay, let's get into it. Let's jump into today's episode. This episode is sponsored by your mom. 
if you do feel like you're struggling really bad with mental health, definitely I would suggest to go see a professional, a therapist, whatever, to discuss that. Again, this is not a replacement for any type of therapy. Um, you deserve to get specialized help. You deserve to get specialized care um, with your exact situation, with your brain, with your genetics, you know, how you function. So I just want to say that if you also can't really afford um, a lot of therapy, if you could just save up, um, I know it's been expensive for me. I've spent thousands of dollars at this point in therapy. I feel like I've just prioritized that in my budget and prioritized no matter what, I have to go do this, even if that means I don't go out to eat as much or if I don't live in the place that I would want to live, stuff like that, because it really is the main priority. And yes, you can survive without therapy, but I, I genuinely feel like you can grow and you can heal and you can have a better life by saving up, by doing everything you can to get to at least, even, even if it's one therapy session a month, really get the most out of that therapy session. Be painfully honest with your therapist. If you don't think it's going to work, tell them that you don't think it's going to work. Um, if you are annoyed at something they said, tell them that you're annoyed with something that they said. Stuff like that. Get, get as much as you can out of that one session. Have them give you homework to do. Have them be specific as to things that you can improve upon in the sense of, you know, if you get triggered by something, what can you do? So that way the rest of the month, if you don't, if you don't go, you know, very often, then you can at least reflect back on that and reflect on your notes and really do your best that you can with that thing. And I think that like 1% a month is better than 0%. We're going backwards, you know, I don't know why I just went on that tangent. I think I'm just really passionate about it because it, it has helped me like so much with my life. Okay, so here are the eight different things. I'm going to just go one by one. And then we'll end up at the end of the episode with eight. So whatever the issue is, do not run from it. Whatever the fear, whatever the thought, whatever the whatever the thing is that it, you're that creates that feeling of fear, of uncertainty, of doubt, whatever it is, don't run from it. And that doesn't mean you have to like it. That doesn't mean you have to figure out if you like it or not. When I was recovering, I think a mistake that I made, and I sometimes still do this and I catch myself, but I I don't, I don't, I didn't necessarily think I was running from it. I was just ignoring it. I was acting like that's, that's just there, you know, nothing to do with that. I don't care. Like I just acted like I couldn't care less about that, but it wasn't in an acknowledging way where yes, that is a possibility. I can accept that that's a possibility, highly improbable, but okay. It was more just like, no, 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 I can't hear that. Like I would literally sing like a mental tune to get it out of my head or to suppress it. Or I guess I, that just created a lot of avoidance, especially when you have OCD. Number one, like compulsion for me was avoidance. I would leave church early. I would not read any scriptures because they'd be triggering. They'd bring up all these doubts and obsessions and questions. And um, I felt like I was a bad Christian for having them. And I think that just disempowered me when I avoided things because it was like I was giving anxiety and more specifically for me, that OCD, the power to decide what I can and can't do based on how it's going to make me feel. 
and how it's going to spike up my OCD. So if you're scared of, if you have like existential themes, that was a big one for me. I was also scared to look at the sky for a long time because it made me think of space and it's just like an infinite and it just freaked me out. Also, just kind of a trigger warning. I will be talking about a lot of that stuff. Anyways, when I, when this was a fear, it wasn't even like a fear of mine. I just didn't like the uncertainty that came with that and that feeling and like my brain would be so scared of the uncertainty and the doubt. And so I'd be like, I don't even want to look at the sky. So I would just want to stay inside of my room all day long. And I felt safe there. I felt like it was comfortable. My thoughts didn't go as crazy. It was safe, you know, quote unquote. The more you avoid, the more you run from it, the bigger it gets in your head and the more real it feels, the bigger it gets, the stronger the monster. Like, it's so crazy. It really is. There's a analogy of a fire going. Like, the fire is, you know, OCD or it's your anxiety or some kind of fear or something. And you throw wood onto the fire. The fire is just going to keep burning longer and it's going to take longer to go out. So the more wood, which is avoidance, compulsions... Checking behaviors, checking your feelings, checking your thoughts, checking, 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 avoidance, 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 like all of those things are just wood being thrown onto the fire and eventually it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It could still go out, but it's just going to take a lot longer. So the less you it's I know it's so much easier said than done. Trust me. Trust me. I know I'm not perfect at this. So I'm not standing here on like a freaking pedestal saying this is so easy and we just need to do it more and blah, blah, blah. I'm still not that good at like most of these things. It's a practice. But the more that you feed it, then the bigger it gets. You know, it's a tale as old as time. Whatever wolf you feed, that's the one that gets bigger. And then the other one dies because it's not being fed. So feed the right wolf. Okay, the second one is something I see from a a program with like a bunch of therapists and advocates and stuff, but it's called OCD. I think it's OCD Recovery on YouTube. They have a bunch of videos that I, I watch like maybe two a week or something just to kind of keep up on just educating myself on the disorder and anxiety, OCD. Something that they always teach and talk about is like unconditional self-life and other acceptance. I'm not an expert on this. This is something that I'm trying to get better at. So I'll just explain for me what that means. Self-acceptance, unconditional self-acceptance is accepting and forgiving myself for having the disorder, number one. Truthfully, I was like, I'm so stupid. I'm so irrational. I'm so, of course, I'm, I'm the one that gets OCD. You know, a lot of this victimizing myself and blaming myself and being mad at myself. And like, it just, all it did was make things worse. So truly accepting everything about yourself doesn't mean you have to like it or you want to stay that way. But I think acknowledgement and acceptance is a massive step because it just quiets a part of you that's freaking out. It does quiet some of these big fears. You feel more connected and integrated with yourself when we start to accept ourselves unconditionally. And I used to have fears, like harm fears. That's like, oh my gosh, what if, you know, one day you snap and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't agree with that. I hope I don't do that. But I can accept the fact that that's a possibility. And I can accept the fact that, you know, some humans do. And I think acceptance really is just okay, I accept that that's a possibility. So that that's what kind of self unconditional self acceptance looks like is just accepting that yes, I'm human accepting I make mistakes. 
I don't actually need to be perfect. I think there's beauty in being imperfect. I think there's beauty in struggling. And then there's unconditional other acceptance, which is accepting other people for how they think, what they do. And you're not, again, you don't have to agree with everything. And you can still have very strong beliefs, values, morals, all of those things. But an acceptance is like just you let go of this fight that it has to be that you think that it has to be a certain way. You have to learn to be comfortable and acceptance of the fact that people don't believe the same things as you. You know, they think they're right. You think you think you're right. That's kind of all we can do. So, you know, accepting that is really helpful. It's helpful for me. And I think it makes me love people more because I just accept that they have different backgrounds. They grew up differently. They have different experiences. They've had different, you know, mentors, teachers. The last one is unconditional life acceptance. It's just what it sounds like is accepting life for what it is that, you know, there's so much uncertainty with life, like anything could happen at any point. And that's really scary. But I think to be able to come to a comfortable place and be able to sit with that on like uncomfortable uncertainty doubt that's a really massive step. And I think that is helpful because then you do become more accepting of whatever will be, will be. And you can kind of flow with life more than you. It really, these, the acceptance part for me has kind of let me take back control of my life, of my life. So that's number two, unconditional self life and other acceptance. If you want to listen to more about that, that's all I'm going to say because I'm, I'm not like an expert on this yet. So you can listen to OCD recovery. Um, you can look up YouTube videos. There's a bunch of that kind of stuff online. Take everything with a grain of salt. I think sometimes I get really like, oh, this person knows it all. And then I end up listening to someone else and I'm like, oh, they know it all. And then it's like, we're all just doing the best that we can. So if you listen to something that you don't necessarily, the other thing that's really helped me is an obvious one, but it's this is a hard thing to practice is to stop pushing thoughts out of your head there's two things with anxiety I had a lot of intrusive thoughts um more just like what ifs and fears and I feel like with that it was easier for me to just because I felt anxious it was easier for me to distinguish and so I could just be like okay this is just like an intrusive thought like I don't have to do anything with this I think with OCD, I didn't want to do any of the thoughts that I was getting, but I still kept getting them and I wasn't feeling that anxious about them anymore. That really freaked me out. Um, I was like, okay, great. So now I like these thoughts because now I'm not pushing them out. So now they're still coming in though. Why are they still coming in? And why don't I feel, you know, anxious? Why don't I hate them as much as I used to? That's just what the disorder can do to you. It's like, it's literally so mean. It's like you have to hate the thought and then you, you're trying to recover. So you try not to hate it because you recognize it's just a thought. But then the second you start to actually do recovery work and you don't feel as scared by the thoughts, then it like makes you feel bad for not being scared. So it's like you literally can't win. How do you not push the thoughts out is a hard question because Sometimes it feels automatic. When an intrusive thought comes in or feeling or sensation or image or something, to not push it out for me specifically, for me personally, it just looks like it's just I see you, okay? I, I hear you. I see you. I don't know. It's hard not to suppress a thought. Sometimes I can feel like a thought is coming up. <laughs> it's like the brain waves are forming and I know what it's going to be. I say no no, 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 like really fast in my head. And it's kind of like trying to suppress it um, or 
talk don't try to overpower the thought like I stopped trying to fight with it I stopped trying to show it that it's wrong I stopped trying to prove myself to it or anything like that just so anyone doesn't just in case anyone else does this I don't want you to feel alone I used to have um tics when I first was really struggling with OCD like 24 7 I used to hit myself in the head sometimes I still catch myself doing this and it's just like it's almost it's like a form of self-punishment. So this might be triggering this next part, but it felt good to hit myself or do something that inflicted pain like pinch or like I'd pinch myself really hard. And this was not that long ago. This was like maybe a year ago. I used to like push my stomach in like physically. I used to push. I used to flex my stomach to stop the surge of adrenaline. I used to shake my hands like this almost like I'm pushing the thought away, waving the thought away. Um, it, it, and, I, and I realized as time went on, that was just to prove to myself that I didn't like the thought. I'm still in recovery and I'm noticing that that really is down to the core why I did it. It was just almost like I was scared and I wanted to prove to myself that I didn't like it, so I would shake it off. And as much as you don't like the thought, you don't have to... Pr- prove to yourself that you don't like the thought that's a major compulsive behavior and that's just actually driving it even further but I understand it feels so uncomfortable to not do something to show yourself that you don't like it it is it is a long journey to not suppress thoughts if you've been doing this for a long time but just try to do something different I think and it'll feel scary and vulnerable and uncomfortable And you'll start to change as a person, which is kind of scary. But that's like where you get freedom, you know, to the best of your ability right now with what you can do. Don't push the thought out. Even you, even the one that's like, but she doesn't know that I have this theme. She doesn't know that I'm, I'm scared of this. Doesn't matter. Oh yeah. But then you, your mind is like, well, what about this? Like she doesn't know that I am struggling with this thought, like that it's a harm thought or it's blasphemous or it's whatever. It literally doesn't matter. Trust me, I would I would do that with everything I would listen to. It's like, show yourself compassion. Yeah, but they don't know that I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be a good Christian. They don't know that I, I'm having thoughts about hurting my family. Like, they don't know all of these things. <laughs> literally, I'm not kidding. Every single thing that your brain will start to throw you right now, even as I'm saying this, you are still capable of recovering and whatever that looks like for you. that could be completely goes away that could be you struggle with it your whole life but you're able to live the life that you want no matter what your mind is now telling you make a choice to not listen to it make a choice just try it you know don't make it a big deal maybe just try it be like okay my thoughts saying because she's saying I have to like no I shouldn't suppress thoughts but she doesn't know I have this thought okay you can pay attention to that you can say okay I hear you and then choose not to believe it and then your thought, your mind might throw something else at you and you're like, okay, yeah, it's scary to like kind of accept uncertainty about that because it's really important to me, but I'm not going to check to see if this is true. I'm not going to go back in my memory and try to find proof of that I am a good person. I'm not a good person, whatever it is. I hope I'm making sense to at least one person out there, you know? I I truthfully just want people to not give up, you know? I feel like sometimes I overly identify with my mental illness, and um, that's a practice I'm trying to um, improve upon 
And I really do feel like I'm in such a better place now, but I used to think that's all I was. And I just know that that's possible to get in a better place, which leads into the next one, which is just responsibility. Sometimes I I blame my OCD or my anxiety for treating people not as good as I would want to, or like, I'm sorry, I reacted badly, but I just feel really anxious or, you know, my OCD is just spiking. It's like, The more you tell yourself that you can't do things because of your anxiety or because of your OCD, like you're you're an outcast, I do feel like it's important to be careful as to what you're saying to your significant other, to your family, to whoever your support system is, and to yourself in your head and out loud. If it's always like a victim type of mentality, like I can't do this anymore, and it's it and it's constant. I think every once in a while, obviously, everyone does this where we're like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, what even is this life? Like, I'm so exhausted. I can't do this anymore. But then, you know, you usually pick yourself up and it's like a 20 minute breakdown or something or a day or something or two days. But I think when you're struggling with a mental illness and depression, I've gone through like depressive episodes. I don't want to move. I don't want to get up. Like, I don't even care. I feel apathetic. And I think even through that, I'm like, oh, but I'm depressed. So like, don't make me do anything. As someone who's been in the trenches of that, you always have a choice to get up and do something no matter how you feel. And this is where like kind of tough love comes in. And this is when like when people around me give me tough love when I'm anxious or depressed or something, I literally hate them because I'm like, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, they don't, but they're technically right. You do need to get up because that's actually how you're going to at least get some enjoyment out of this life. And they're not trying to say it's not hard. I told Kean when I'm in a mood or not a mood, but when I'm maybe like I'm in a depressive episode or I'm super anxious or I don't know, something's happening and I don't want to move or I don't want to get out of bed or I don't want to expose myself to something. This is what's helpful. (laughs) Maybe you can say this to yourself as a way to be responsible. Is like you want to validate the part of you that's exhausted and tired and scared because that that is a part of you. And But you also have a wise part of you that's like courageous and, you know, And so I think to speak to that part of you by saying, I know this is really hard and you've worked so hard to like even be alive or even be here right now. And I know it feels like you just want it to just everything to just be easy from this point on. But I think we can handle it. And I think if we get up and we move, it'll be good for us in the long run. So let's get up and move. But I know it's hard and you're so strong and kind of talking to yourself like that because that is tough love. But tough love isn't, you're so freaking lazy, you're so dumb, like you're so worthless, get up, you stupid whatever. Like I sometimes am so mean to myself the way I speak, but when you're able to have that tough love, which is combined with validating your experience, because that is literally so important, I think, but also backed with an actionable step that you can take to to actually push yourself forward and to actually recover because... You know, we don't want this to be the baseline. And you can even say, this is not fair. And I'm pissed off that I have to do this when other people, you know, have all this energy and their hormones are perfect and all these things. And I have to do this, even though I'm trying so hard every day just to like live. I think that type of mentality for me was super helpful. How long? I feel like I've been talking for a long time. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I'm going to have to go through this fast. And then number five, I just put The Dare Response, which is a book that I read, which I think is helpful for specifically anxiety and I guess with OCD, but I think for anxiety, this is 
the most helpful book I've ever read. I just wanted to kind of share the premise of the book. It's by Barry McDonough, McDonough or something. And anyways, the the steps are, it's D-A-R-E, so dare, but it's diffuse. So if a thought comes up like, oh my gosh, what if you run your car into something or what if you just drank poison or something? You say, okay, yeah, maybe I did. That'd be awesome because then maybe it would be cool to fly down the freeway or something. Or maybe it'll be fun if I fall. Just kind of diffusing it. Um, Except if if it doesn't go away, if it's just there and it's still throwing more and more, you're just like, okay, well, I guess this is just how today's going to be. You can come with me if you want. We're going to go to the store. You can be there scared if you want. Like, I'm here for you, but, you know, I'm not going to, like, pay attention to you. But I'm not going to give you the energy. Um, Run towards is the third step. So if it's still not letting up, like the goal isn't for it to let up, but it's just to be comfortable with it being there. Um, Is just to be able to do what you want to do still with it being there. So the third thing is to run towards, which is the R, uh, which is, okay, cool. That's That's a funny thought. Send me more. What else would I do? You think I touched something and now I'm poisoned. Okay, cool. How many other things did I touch today that were poisoned? That's a scary one, but you kind of run towards like, send me more of these thoughts brain and your brain's like, huh? And then it like, that for me is helpful when I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Send me more of this. They're like, huh? What are you talking about? You want me to send you more of these? I thought you were scared. And then you slow, that slowly starts to kind of diminish. And then the last one is engage, which is just kind of re-engage with whatever you were doing. So if you were playing a game with your family and then you had all these thoughts come up and you start to kind of disassociate and kind of get into your head, then you do the steps. And then the last step is to, you know, engage. So as much as you can to just slowly start to like focus on your senses, start to trust your senses again. I can smell this. I can feel that. I can hear this. And then the sixth one I have is Everything you're doing will feel foreign if you've struggled with, if this is like a chronic thing that you've had most of your life, or even if it's been like three years or however long, it'll still feel foreign to do some of these things. You're going to have to be so patient with yourself because it is so hard and scary to do things that are just out of your comfort zone. You, you're not used to doing them. Um, so if it's really hard for you to just even accept thoughts or to start to accept other people, like even those small things that maybe are uncomfortable for you, you just haven't practiced. Just remember that it is a practice. Just be kind to yourself, patient with yourself. It's a practice. When you start something for the first time, you're not great at it. Same thing with mental recovery. When you first start it, you're like, this was horrible. And I'm confused because I'm used to doing this my whole life, but I didn't know I could do this. So just it's it's okay. It's going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to feel vulnerable. It's going to feel, you're going to feel very vulnerable and you're going to feel like you're becoming this new person, which can be scary, but just like flow with it. Just trust it. Trust like God or for me, I have to trust God. If you believe in something else, trust that and just kind of move with it. Um, okay. Seven. Okay. So just recap. Six was just um, everything will feel foreign. And it's a practice. So just gently remind yourself when you feel like you've messed up or something, it'll take time and you're practicing. Uh, Number seven is self-compassion. This is an obvious one. I think this applies to everyone at every point in their life. But self-compassion 
for when you're recovering with something that can make you feel like you're some terrible person. You don't know who you are anymore. Um, kind of strips your identity and not in a freeing way. Self-compassion, no matter what, is something that's hard. And I think even when you when you hear like you can be compassionate to yourself, you're, you, there's like this feeling that I get at least. And it's like, no, you can't because because you're supposed to be better than you are. You're supposed to be this way. You're supposed to feel this way. You're supposed to be. It's like you just get a feeling that you're you're exempt from that or that you you actually don't qualify for that when in reality, yes, you do. Like I genuinely believe that everyone can hold themselves with compassion no matter what. And I think the reason I believe that is because that actually helps you be a kinder, more gentle, open-hearted person and that creates more joy in your life. That creates more connection. So being self-compassionate is something that I think is literally so important for anyone all the time. And self-compassion doesn't look like babying yourself or being like, I don't know. It's, it's again, kind of what I said before where there's tough love sometimes involved with compassion, a validation, but then also a pushing towards you know, a goal pushing towards someone you would want to be and all that stuff. I don't know anything about whoever's listening to this. Like, I don't know anything about you, but I still believe that you can hold yourself with compassion and that that's ultimately will be very helpful for you. I think compassion for me looks like this life is scary. This life is hard. This life is uncertain and you're doing so good with what you've been given and you're trying your best. Number eight is don't punish yourself. It's similar to self-compassion, but a lot of the times on my recovery journey and where I'm at still, I find myself not letting myself enjoy music, not letting myself enjoy. Like if I were to go to like a wholesome concert, I'd be like, oh, it's bad that I am enjoying this because I'm not praying or something, or I'm not reading the scriptures or something. And that means that I don't love God that much. Let yourself enjoy things. Like it's okay to feel happiness, pleasure. I don't know. I think we, I think because you start to not trust yourself that much, or you start to be like questioning yourself when you've had like a mental illness for a long time, um, you start to self-sabotage because you genuinely sometimes don't believe that you deserve love, happiness, joy. And I think the more we can break that down, like truly break that down and be like, no matter what, again, this is where the acceptance comes in. No matter what, I'm not going to self-sabotage. I'm just going to, like, I'm just going to tell myself that I do deserve love. Even when I'm recovering, I do deserve love. I deserve the best of the best. And okay, well, those are my eight things, like tips and things that I've learned that I've heard from professionals, from podcasts, just my own life experience. I hope those were helpful to someone out there in this big old crazy world. We have time for a Dear Abby, uh, so I'm going to actually just do that right now. But So this was a fun episode for me to gather information for because it made me kind of reflect back on my journey, things that I've learned, and it literally reminded me to keep doing the things that I've been taught to do and that did help me before, and 
I'm still on this journey. I'm still practicing every single thing that I shared. I just know what it feels like when you have no power over your life, pretty much. And to feel like everything's just being taken from you and you're just like a victim to it and you just sit there and you're like, woe is me. And it feels good to do that. And we all do that every once in a while. But I think for me with OCD specifically and anxiety, I let it kind of run my life story for a long time. So now that I'm trying to break that pattern, it's really hard, but it's very freeing because I'm not bound anymore by like this need to understand and control everything. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to trust. Truthfully, I think that's like, it's scary, but it's beautiful to trust. Oh my gosh, that was like mentally, that was mentally and emotionally a roller coaster right there. That was a lot for me to unpack and explain. I could talk about, I think every single one of those things I could have a full episode on and I probably will eventually. But those are just quick eight things. Okay, so here's our Dear Abby question. Dear Abby, I just wanted to start off by saying that I love you and your podcast so far. So far, um, she's the, like, we'll see. Some, the advice that I wanted was, so I am a sophomore in college studying to be a dietitian currently, and I wanted advice because I have struggled a lot with my relationship with food in the past, and I still go in phases of struggling with it, and I was just wondering how would I become a dietitian when I'm struggling with uh, food myself and then how will, would I be able to give good advice to my clients even though I'm going through those struggles and I'm just having a little bit of doubt on if this is what I'm supposed to do because of this struggle that I'm having so hopefully that made sense and thank you I actually think that you probably will be one of the best dietitians because of what you're dealing with any situation where people are going in to talk to someone to get advice on something who's a professional in their field, I personally would always want someone who's experienced something because that means that they actually really care about what they're saying. Because I, genuinely, I am, I am thinking about when I go into a doctor or if I'm going into a therapist or something, like my therapist has struggled with OCD and his advice that he gives me and the way that he gives it to me, the way he explains things, the way he introduces things is so helpful for me to understand it. So I think when you have gone through something or you're very familiar with the language of food because you struggle with it, I think that's a deeper familiarity. That's a deeper language with food than most people have, honestly. With that knowledge, you really can explain things in a, in a deeper sense. You'll be able to be very eloquent with what you're trying to say and how you say it to people. And that's my time for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Abby. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know in the comments on YouTube if you're watching or you can DM me on Instagram or send a question or uh, I doesn't say advice. You can send me advice if you want uh, or comments to my phone number, which is 909-817-1742, I believe. It's also on like the show notes. Most of the time it's on the bottom. They're on like the episode notes that you can read. You can call that, text it, whatever you want. 
if you have a topic specifically you want me to talk about, you can always message me. I'd love to talk about it. I hope everyone has a great rest of their Thursday. We're so close to the weekend. You know what I'm going to say. Make some fun plans. Take yourself out. Do something alone. Do something with family. Do something with your partner. Do something. Do something. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Love you. Bye.